Hey everybody, just wanted to take a few seconds of your time before the podcast starts. Just wanted to let you know about a passion project of mine for the last three years called Hustle Focused Energy. It's a powdered drink mix intended to help you focus and accomplish your goals. Super excited to bring this to market. Go check it out, hustletheday.com. And thank you so much for listening. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I'm fortunate to have Billy Anderson on the show. Billy is the founder of Go Fresh Meals. He has been selling things since he was a young kid, but he started and created a lot of different companies, learned a lot in the process. Super excited for you to hear this one. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited, honored to have Billy Anderson here. Billy, you're, you know what? Digging into your story a little bit before this, it's like you're, you're a bigger figure than I even thought you were inviting you on to this thing. And I, always, I already thought it was kind of a big ask to be like, would, is it time to ask Billy? Like, you know what? This is, are we big enough yet? Go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, Billy. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So my, my name is Billy Anderson. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be on, regardless of whether I'm big or not. Like, yeah, I'm 6'3", <laughs> right? That's about the only thing I can think of myself. <laughs> right? Outside of that, uh, I, got, I got a lot of uh, growing to do in my career. But um, my name is Billy Anderson. I'm from uh, Northern California. Uh, right now, I kind of live a little more Central California, but um, most known, more known for my meal prepping company called GoFresh. Um, and we are a retail and e-commerce meal prepping company serving all of Northern California. Um, also run an organization called the Level Up Society, which is a uh, personal development and networking association for entrepreneurs and industry leaders. Um, I am an online business coach, um, just an entrepreneur of many different backgrounds. I've tried basically every industry, so I can tell you a little bit about everything. I can tell you what not to do in every industry because I haven't been <laughs> in every industry. Uh, but you know, my, my, my focus is always on personal development, personal growth. Um, I've gone through a lot in my career and, and it all stems back from, uh, personal development. And that's what's led me through and allowed me to, to achieve what I've achieved in my, in my career. And what will allow me to continue to achieve, uh, at the scale that I'm achieving, uh, is always personal development. So I'm huge on that personal growth, personal development is, is definitely the staple of, of, of who I am and, and what I represent. So, so the, basically my intro. <laughs> That's perfect. So, uh, you know, I completely agree with you that, you know, what personal development is kind of at the root of it all. And that's where, you know, I've always had entrepreneurial journeys and, you know, little side hustles and things like that. But it wasn't until I really took my personal development seriously that I really started taking my business seriously. And, you know, they, they grew together. So that's, I completely agree that those two go hand in hand. So, that's awesome that you're teaching that and, you know, helping people scale things. So let's, let's take it back uh, to kind of the beginning. Where is it that your sales career kind of started? You've got an interesting story based around that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really started at the very beginning. I mean, like literally like preschool, um, you know, I've, I've always been selling things. Um, I hate to have that like cliche, like Gary V, like I've been hustling baseball cards and stuff like that. But that really was me. I've, I've always been selling things. Um, my, my parents both were entrepreneurs. My dad was a contractor. And it was just, 
it was always selling. So whether it be like literally, I used to clean my parents' junk drawer out when I was in preschool and go to my go to my preschool and sell junk, literally junk to other kids. Um, and you know, my my first job was when I was nine years old. I worked at a donut shop, uh, and a lot of that was my customer service um, foundation was laid there. I uh, had an amazing uh, owner of the donut shop that taught me a lot about how to connect with people. Um, and so it's hard to say exactly when the sales career started, but really it was early on then. Uh, my parents were very encouraging of like whatever I wanted to do. They were like, yeah, sure, go do it. So whether it was selling, you know, um, lemonade, so I sold donuts from the donut shop that I worked at all the time. They used to let me take home like the leftovers and I would sell those. I was always hustling. So, uh, you know, really, really, you know, that's where it kind of started. Um, I learned early on that I could, uh, my ability to work allowed me to separate myself from many other people. So the, the, the inkling of like work ethic was, was really, you know, like kind of instilled at an early age. Um, and, and, you know, led me into launching my first uh, business when I was 17. Um, I was a clothing company and I did that. And uh, that was kind of like kind of the beginning. Um, but it's, it's just, I've always been selling, whether it be, I sold cannabis. I sold uh, illegally and legally. Um, so it wasn't just like I was a, a pot dealer like many people. I, I sold it legally as well. Um, but yeah, so so really kind of started at an early age. I, I've kind of done everything. I've, I've as we were talking before, I've tasted literally every every industry um, from clothing to solar to um, technology to everything. Um, you know, and so really the, the, the place that I want to say really the foundation was laid of sales and really learned the ins and outs was, was in network marketing. Um, I joined a network marketing company when I was 20 years old. Uh, a friend of mine needed a ride to this thing that one of our other friends said he was making a lot of money in. And I was like, well, you, you need a ride to something about money and I'm, I'm going to give you that ride, but I'm also going to go in because I want to find out what the hell's going on. Um, and that's really when, when personal development was really, um, really introduced to me. And so, uh, as much as, as like the sales were, were there, I think it was really just more the habit of like personal growth that was really instilled. And so that was when I was 20 years old, I was going to college at the time. And so I was going to college for business, but then I was like going to network marketing like once a week. And I was learning more than that, like one hour training from some guy that had no college degree. And I was like, Oh, oh my God, like this is like, I need to be in this, this avenue because I can learn what I need to learn to produce results in my life. At an early age, I learned that. And, and like school was just teaching me how to achieve like a, a, like a diploma, you know, like I, I needed to get this like piece of paper. That's all I was really learning versus making paper over here where I had my self-education. So uh, I know that doesn't necessarily answer where my entrepreneur or the, the sales career started, but really, you know, that, that was really in the, in the phase there. Um, I was, was really in the network marketing when I really learned the foundation. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I really like was able to sell a product and earn a commission. And that was the first place that I was able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. First of all, like the fact that you had a job at nine at a donut shop and then you had the wherewithal to take the donuts and sell them. Like, dude, that's just crazy. That's yeah, you, man. You definitely it was, were it was, hustling. Uh, I definitely, um, that's not where my health, uh, my interest in health started. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I learned how to connect with customers and I, and you know, our, my boss was, was a phenomenal connector. And that's when I really learned that like sales was less so about like convincing the person that you needed the product. And as, as much as building a relationship with people and I, I like, I'll never forget. I mean, I, I'm still friends with this, this individual today. Um, but he never forgets a name. 
he he prides himself on remembering like you were you're sharing about your daughter like he'll remember oh your daughter started that when she was eight and now she's got to be um uh, 10 like he'll remember like the time from like when you told him a story like he was so good at making you feel like you were a part of his family part of the, his community that people kept coming back it was not that the donuts were the best they were great but they weren't they weren't the best so there's better donut shops around but it was you came to see key because key just made you feel something and and that's where i really learned those fundamentals of of building relationships over than that the sale um, and, and that, you know, when you build that relationship, they end up being lifelong customers. Uh, and they just recently sold that donut shop after whatever, I think 30 years, um, wow. cause they had bought it when I was about one year old, I believe. Um, so, I mean, they, 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 they just sold it last year and the, the donut shop has just been not doing nearly as well because key is no longer there. And so it was really a relationship driven business and it was just crazy. So. Yeah, no, it's definitely the experience is what is provided there more so than the than the food itself. Um, well, look, that, the experience that I had as him being my boss that like 20 years later, I still remember those lessons I learned right. when I was nine. And I can't remember some things that I learned last week from some people, you know. And so that shows how, how much of an impression that he had an ability to connect with people and make you feel special, even though I was just employed, how he made me feel and how he made other people uh, feel was so powerful that, you know, years later, it still sticks with me. And I remember so much of those days. And like I said, I can't remember a lot of things that I did last week, but I can remember so vividly those moments working with him as a, as a nine year old. Yeah, that's awesome. So the question is, what are you doing at GoFresh to cultivate that same experience? Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I, I'm going to admit, I'm not nearly as good at remembering names. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my weaknesses. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've always, and in everything that I've ever done, whether it be a cannabis, um, solar technology, any of those avenues, it's always been about serving the customer and building relationships. Um, something that I believe you and I both know that, that was an Arte um, syndicate, uh, Andrew Cruz, he talks a lot about relationships and results and, you know, really creating results for people and, and, and creating relationships are the two most important things in any business. And, you know, and so for GoFresh, our goal has always been about creating a, a wow customer service experience. I can't always control when I sell you food, I can't control whether you're going to like my food, but I can control about the experience that you receive when you come in. And we wanted to make sure that every customer felt welcome and a part of the GoFresh community. People often ask me, how do I join the GoFresh community? I'm like, you just come on in. Like everybody's welcome. We treat everybody the same. And we really want to serve you. We don't want to sell you food. We want to serve you what you need and create results for you uh, and build a relationship all along. Um, you know, I know before this podcast, we were talking off offline about GoFresh's six year anniversary. And on our, our last day of our promotion, we had our first customer that ever purchased from us six years ago. She comes in every single week and she came in. It happened to be her birthday on, on our ah, well, the day after our anniversary, but you know, it was her birthday as well. And it, we were just talking and she's like, man, it's so crazy how much you've grown. She was the one thing she's like, don't get me wrong. I've had some bad food here. She's like, not every meal was, was my favorite meal. She goes, but every time I've come in, you guys have made me feel like I was somebody special when I'm not anybody special. I'm just another customer. And she's like, everybody I send here feels the same way that you actually treat us. Like we are that special customer. We're your favorite customer. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, just to further that when she walked in, I, I saw it as a caddy, happy birthday. And, and I keep certain customers that are regular customers in my calendar to make sure that I always remember their birthdays. Probably have like two or 300 birthdays in there of regular customers ours, just so I can shoot them a text message, shoot them an email. Like I tried it. And that's me as the CEO, our team that runs down all the way through all of our managers. They're always trying to build relationships. 
And it was great, you know, just in this six year anniversary, having so many people reach back out to us and say, Hey, you've helped me cut off my, my, my high blood pressure medication. My, uh, you know, you helped me lose weight. You've helped me. I couldn't walk around the block now because of the weight I've lost. I've been able to create, you know, I've been able to walk around the block or I've been able to spend more time with my grandchildren, all these things that you're able to hear about how we've impacted it. It's, it's been it's been great. And so whether it be hearing about the relationship that we developed or the results that we've helped create, those are two reasons that why we, or how we've been able to succeed is through focusing on those relationships and those results that we help uh, all of our customers produce. That's awesome. So you, you talk about that, that wow factor. Yeah. How do you translate that to the e-commerce side? Yeah, it's, it's a super important conversation to have, especially right now with um, the conversation of is retail dead? Um, you know, I know, I know you mentioned that you wanted to talk about that as well. And you know, I don't think retail is dead. Um, and, and a lot of that's to do with, um, is because of that experiential aspect that you can create. I think the retail that is dead is the ones that have failed to create that experience. And unfortunately, a lot of retails, and I'm, I'm, you're shaking your head in, in agreement, and I, and I know why, because I mean, we all go into retailers and you get little to no customer service. You, get, you don't even get acknowledged half the time. You just come up and then they tell you how much you owe and they swipe your card and that's it. And it's like, wow, the experience has gone all the way down to this. And I think that's why e-commerce has accelerated so much is because the, it's become, what's more convenient? Do I want to go to this store and just get treated like crap? Or do I, do I go to this website and I, I don't get treated like crap, but I, you know, I get my product and it's nice and quick. And I think that's why we've seen e-commerce accelerate. Um, but it's why we've seen certain retailers like ours uh, continue to thrive because we focus on creating an ex- experiential ex- experience for the customer that they're, they're, they're coming in and they're feeling welcome. Welcome. So how do we translate that to the e-commerce side? Um, it's always a challenging aspect, but I think it's where the really successful brands are going to be able to accelerate is creating a wow experience. And that's one being uh, creating a platform for customers to feel comfortable, to give you feedback. I think that's one aspect of the in-service or in-person experience that people really look for is the ability to be able to say, Hey, Trent, this is why I don't like your product. Or, Hey, have you guys ever thought about this? And sometimes it's customers just want to tell you their ideas. It's not necessarily that they actually expect them to be implemented, but they just want to share their feedback. And so really creating an, um, the ability for the customer to feel welcomed to be a part of that conversation with you. And so we do that through our email, our, our post, um, post-purchase um, email funnel. And we allow customers to feel welcome. One, thanking them, for their purchase to, you know, I see an email coming from me thanking them and, 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 you know, asking for their feedback. How was the experience? You know, did you enjoy your food? You know, what was, what was the experience like getting the package? Did the food come broken? Did you, you know, like, did the food meet your, your, your expectations? Was there something that maybe we could have given you in the package that made you feel better? Um, you know, so really allowing them to feel comfortable to have a conversation with you. Cause a lot of times it's like this faceless e-commerce business that you're like, yeah, like maybe I know that CEO on Instagram, but you know, like this is just a website. And so I think that the, the modern age of, of e-commerce and where it's moving towards is you knowing who the CEO is behind the, 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 the company and being comfortable to be, have a conversation. And I don't think, my, my opinion is, I think we're going to see a lot more fragmented e-commerce businesses and not these, I mean, obviously we'll have the Amazons and Walmarts, but I think we're going to see a lot more businesses like yours and mine where the face of the brand is, is really the experience and your ability to interact with that brand digitally is really where that service will be able to um, be translated 
And, and I think the, the authentic um, branding of, the, of, of a company is really important in this e-commerce day and age and creating very authentic, real content on your social media page so they, they get to know who you are and you kind of take them through the process. You know, it's something that we've even been, even been experiencing on GoFresh's side. I mean, you, you, you see the content that we put out. It's very curated. And we realized we actually were going too curated where it was like too perfect where people were like, wow, everything almost sounds scripted. And people were kind of feeling like we were this big sellout brand. And I'm like, we're not big at all. Like we're very small, like we're small business. Like we don't want to lose that. And so there's that fine line of like perfect content and like authentic content. And just because it visually looks beautiful, sometimes that may hinder a customer from feeling welcomed into the brand. And so really focusing on authentic content and, and having an open line of communication with your with your customer, I think are two very important things to translating to wow service. Obviously, delivering the product that tastes great, looks great, is great, right? That's super important. Making sure that you're delivering what you actually are, are selling is very important, but then making sure on the back end that there's an open line of communication and that customers feel welcome to communicate and be a part of that community. That's awesome. I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes because it's like, okay, yeah, I need to have that follow-up process and the open line of communication, you know, it's like, I'm, I should be like hopping off this call and integrating these things. So <laughs> the post-sale funnel, man, is one of the most important things because I think people so often look at it as like, how can I get the customer to purchase again? And it's not always about converting and like sending them another discount or any of that. It's, it's allowing them to, to, I mean, there's valuable information and having the open line of communication for the customer side. But then also you as the CEO, how do you know if the customer had a great experience or not, unless you're asking for feedback. And, you know, since we've started asking for that feedback, dude, our product has gotten so much better. Our service has gotten so much better because we get, we, sometimes we don't know that this customer is seeing this or that, you know, we don't know that, or maybe they had this experience, but a lot of times people are hesitant to, to reach out and say, Hey, this happened. Because a lot of small businesses either ignore that comment or um, they don't welcome it and they kind of blow the customer off or tell the customer they're wrong. Like we have zero, zero questions asked. If you say you had a bad experience, boom, refund. I don't ever want a customer to have that type of experience. You know, I say often that it's not about how you handle your customers in the good time. It's how you handle your customers in the bad times. And when you make a mistake, and I think that's really where you can build that brand loyalty is that when you make a mistake, one, you own it. And you're just like, you know what? I add that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That was not ever the experience we want any customer to have. Here's a full refund. We'd love to, you know, to, to make sure that you that you can try us again. So here's a maybe a credit or whatever. You know, finding a way to make it work where the customer feels heard and the, and that they they're understood. Like so often people are like, oh, it's a refund, cool, whatever, and they just kind of blow off the customer. And the customer's like, okay, cool, I got a refund, but like. Did, did you hear me? Did you hear? Yeah. Yeah. Like, did, am I, am I going to refer my friend to you guys and they're going to get the same experience? You know, and that's what we want. I mean, things happen all the time. And like, you know, we had it where a customer complained about our steak a couple weeks ago and said, oh, the, the steak was rare or was, was undercooked. That I could have gotten food poisoning from it. It was barely medium rare, right? It was like a little, little worse than medium rare. And, and, and we all know that you could eat rare steak and not get sick, but I'm not going to go and tell that customer you're wrong. You're not going to get sick you know, in their, their, their perception of the situation was they were potentially put in a bad situation where they could have gotten food poisoning or something along those lines. So I need to understand that customer where they're at and not wrong them and say, well, actually, you know, you're not going to get food poisoning, blah, 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 blah. 
And we have competitors that do this all the time. And one of the greatest marketing strategies for us is how our customers respond back to their customers because they end up coming to us and going, man, I went to this company and they told me I was wrong when I complained about this. And it's like, well, you, I mean, you know, if you get food poisoning, you get food poisoning. It doesn't mean that everybody that got that batch, you know, gets food poisoning or doesn't get food poisoning. And so often customers, you know, companies will go and argue with their customer about why they're wrong. And it's like, not one, you just lost that customer permanently, but that customer is then going to go and leave a Yelp review, tell 10 other customers. And so it's just how you respond in the bad times. And so we welcome that feedback. Because at the end of the day, the only way you get better is to hear the bad. And, you know, unfortunately, it's a numbers game. You know, Walmart's going to have a, I, I remember this was a long time ago. Somebody used to say, uh, it, you know, Walmart is more than likely going to have an employee that works at Walmart go and kill somebody. Not that they have a bunch of bad employees, but they have millions upon millions of employees. The likelihood that one of them robs a home, gets arrested, kills, steals, something. It's just a numbers game. It's likely. It's not that Walmart employs bad people. It's just a numbers game. Just like, you know, I'm going to sell a bad meal. It's, it's inevitable that's going to happen. So to be, to be naive and to turn a customer down because they told you you did something wrong, that's crazy. You know, you have to welcome it. Okay, okay, that happened. Perfect. Thank you for letting me know. Now work with your team and move forward. Doesn't mean that your team sucks either because, you know, it's mistakes happen. That's, that's plain and simple, but it's how you respond that really sets the tone for the type of service that you give your customers. Yeah, that is incredible. And you know what? Those are the opportunities where you can create more loyalty by taking a bad situation, turning it into a good situation, that's going to create so much more loyalty than just presenting a good situation in the first place. Yep, exactly. I've had so many customers come to me pissed like because they expect me to be angry. And then we'll tell them like, hey, you know, like totally understand. Like you have 100% right to be mad right now. I would be pissed too. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. And they're like, whoa, like you heard me, you understood me and then told me how you're going to fix it. And then they end up being permanent lifelong customers of ours. And they'll tell tons of other people. And they become our number one customers when they were about to never be a customer again. So it's crazy, man. I love those opportunities. I mean, I don't love them, right? But I love when we're able to re-engage somebody and then like enroll them in being like a permanent customer. Yeah, that is awesome. That's that's a cool, cool story right there. now you've got your hands in multiple things and you're trying to grow all these multiple things. Like we briefly touched on the retail side, you're opening another store. How is it that you're scaling all these things at once? Yeah, man, it's a, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, ever evolving question. You know, I, I, I'm like, I talked about personal development. You know, I think personal development is not just about reading books and learning new things. It's about always improving your process and I'm huge on daily process. I think our results, well, I don't think, I know, our results are dictated based upon the, the actions that we take on a daily basis. And when we're able to improve the actions that we take and we're able to be well prepared uh, or better prepared, I should say, uh, I think that's where we're able to produce better results. And so um, I've always been somebody that loves having my plate, like not just full, but like just spilling over, you know, it's, it's forever been my issue. And I think as an entrepreneur, you can either fight. I think it's important to, to have that fine line of like, I'm, I'm trying everything. Um, because I think as entrepreneurs, we, we do get those like itches to like try to solve every problem, even problems that have nothing to do with our current business, you know? And um, in the time of GoFresh, I've launched a pomade company, a sunglass company, a clothing company, um, multiple health food companies, a supplement company. Most of those you, you don't hear about, right? And it's okay, you know, like failures happen, but like, as I've gone on, 
Uh, I've learned that you have to stay in the same vertical. Usually that, that, that helps uh, or things that complement each other. And so, because otherwise when you're going into these different verticals, like I don't understand how Elon Musk is able to do like solar and space and car, like more power to him. Right. But, um, you know, really what it comes down to is, is, is how you structure, structure your, your day and, and, and the plan that you create. Um, so I'm huge on planning. Uh, my number one thing, uh, I, I think the number one reason why people don't produce the results that they want for themselves in their lives is that they fail to properly plan. So investing in like, I mean, I, I spend five to six hours every Sunday investing in my week and that five to six hours might sound extreme to a lot of people, but those five or six hours that I invest in there allow me to execute the other, you know, 60 hours of the week that I spend working at such a high level. And so now I don't spend on a daily basis. What am I going to do? I just work my plan. But so often people don't have a plan. So they're just trying to like work towards these like imaginary goals of like, I want to be successful. Well, what the hell does success mean? What does success look like? I literally just did a podcast right before I, I I'm on this one. It's from my own podcast but it was talking about the difference between results and goals. And so often we want to, we, we want these goals, but we don't even know what achieving those goals, like what results will those produce in our lives? And like, I, I use the example of like, everybody wants more money. Well, what does more money mean? Oh, well, more money is going to create more happiness or more. What is, what is more happy? What does more money actually look like in your life? Okay. Well, maybe that means more hours that you have to work or, you know, maybe it means, you know, more whatever stuff for your kids. Well, what does that mean for you? Like, like really getting into what does it look like to have the goals that you want? And I think so often we just want these, these things and they're just really just, they're a shiny object. They're not really a, a, a true goal that we actually know what it looks like to be in our lives and then to build a plan around it. And because we don't know what it looks like in our lives, we can't touch, feel, or smell it. And because we can't touch, feel, or smell it, it never becomes reality, which never pushes or motivates us to achieve it. And so um, I know I'm like tangenting off a little bit, but like, I think that the clearer you can be with where you want to go, it allows you to then invest more time and clearer time into your plan, which allows you to execute more effectively. And so it all starts with where are you going? And if you can't really like identify, like I said, not just, Oh, I want to be fit or I want to make more money or I want to be successful. Like that's all fine and dandy, but most people, that's how their goals are. And that's why they don't achieve their goals. You talk to the Ed Milets, the Andy Fursellas, it's clear as day. And Andy talks about this all the time on the MFCEO. Like he knew exactly where he was going. And I remember, I mean, you were at RTA Live. I like, I'll never forget that story of when Ed told about his son playing golf and like they just start visualizing every hole. And like, I was there on the golf course with them. Like and it was it, it, it was an example I used, I, I share with people all the time of like how visualiz visualization helps empower you and motivate you to achieve what you want to achieve in life. But so often people are just like, I want this. And it's like, okay, well, what does that look like? Take me there. Like, take me there. What is that? What, what does it feel like? What does it smell like? What is it, what is it like waking up successful? Do you, do you wake up happy? Like, you know, some of you want to be successful, but they're miserable in life. And it's like, well, you're not going to be happy until you fix the misery. You know, and so you got to be, you, you can't be successful until you fix the misery, you know, and people think these other things are going to produce the results they want in their life. But um, yeah, so that's, that's really it, man. It's like where I want to go in my life. None of this stuff is um, when I stopped chasing the money, that's when I started producing the results I wanted in my life. And so when I look at what I do now, while I say, you know, stay in the same vertical, 
it's about the vertical that I want for my life, not necessarily the vertical that I want for my business. And when I was chasing money, I was chasing the pomade. I was chasing the sunglasses. And, and the reason I did pomade, for example, was I'd go to my barber and I'm like, bro, you got all these shelves over here and there's nothing on it. And they'd be like, ah, oh, well, you know, Suavecito this or lay right this and blaming it all on these other retailers. And I'm like, man, every barbershop I go to has no pomade. I could make a lot of money. That was my mindset behind pomade. So now I have 6,000 cans of pomade in my house that I've got pomade forever. Let me tell you that much. Like, if you need some pomade, I got you. Uh, but, you know, like, and it was because I was chasing the money and not trying to look at where I wanted to go that I ended up going off in these other directions. I think that's why so many people struggle to have a lot on their plate and to be able to manage it is because they're not actually putting a lot on their plate because it's leading to where they want to go. They're putting it on their plate because they think that's what's going to get them there. So they're just trying everything. And I see that so often with entrepreneurs that they're, that they have like five different business projects going, but none of them are actually going, but it's that they, they keep trying to chase the money instead of like locking in on one. And that one thing will produce them the money. Um, you know, they, they don't look at where they're going in their life and, and, and try to produce results around where they're going, where they want to go. They produce results around what they think they need to do to get to where they want to go. So I know that was way off of like scaling, but, uh, but it all comes back down to where you're going. Wow. I mean, if, if you could just like take one section of this talk so far and like, just that, that was a whole podcast within itself right there. Like that, that was awesome. Um, and I will take some pomade. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, address. I got, I got a whole gift of stuff. I, I take people into this closet at my headquarters. Like it's not like a, it's not a normal closet. It's like, it's a pretty damn big room. It's like 15 by 30. And it's like full of my old failed business projects between clothes. <laughs> and I give people all the time. You're like, you want to take a, a tour down memory lane here? Let me, let me share some sunglasses and pomade and shirts with you that are all failures. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's crazy. No, I'll, I'll pay you for some of it, but you know what? You, <laughs> You stuck on something that so many entrepreneurs do is they do chase the money. And yeah. you know what you you kind of alluded to this, but if you don't, if you're if you're unhappy now, you're still going to be unhappy with more money in your pocket. Yeah. That's never going to change unless you change. And I think yeah. that is a hundred percent true. And that's I kind of what you were dancing around, but it's like that. That's that's the truth. Yeah. You have to, I think that's it. It's like, it's, what does it look like to have that, that goal that you want? So if you, if you, if it's money, what does it look like in your life to have money? Like, okay. So does that make you happy? Does that make you feel fulfilled? Does that make your wife happy? Does that make your kids happy? Does that, you know, and you can just go down the line of like, does that, does that bring you the fulfillment that you want? And I don't think people really look at the goal that they want and like, what does it look like? And like envision yourself right now. If it's to have a Ferrari, all right. Like, you feel the leather, like, well, what does it smell like? What is it, you know, and the, when you're able to like get into that mode, it allows you to actually like really identify, like, what does it bring you, you know? And, and I, when I was, see, 21, I, um, I, I had, I had some, some really good success for tw way too much success for a 21 year old. And, um, first three months of my network marketing business, I, I did like $25,000 in sales, like the in personal income, not in, in, in commission sales, but like, what I made. And I was like, I'm done. And I had a job at, the, at that time working for um, the city of San Ramon, a, a small community, city government. And I was, I was making another 80 K a year there. So you're talking like, I was already making great money for a 21 year old, just the 80 K a year job. But then you go and throw that extra money I was making on network marketing. I was like, I'm fucking done. Like I am done. Like I'm balling. 
And I thought I had all this success. So I quit the job. And I remember my, my dad was like, you're crazy. Like, do not quit. Like, just wait a little bit longer. You've only been at this other thing for three months. And I was like, screw that. Went and bought a BMW, like brand new BMW off the lot. Like, I did all this stuff. And then the sales stopped. The next month, I went from making, I think I made like 9,700 the month before to literally making like not even a thousand bucks. And it was like right after I quit my job and I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, and it would just hit me. But I had the car. I had the, the I had a, a basically a bank account. You know, I had the, the watch. I had the suits. I had everything. Like I remember going to LA and going to the Armani store and like buying a bunch of Armani suits and thinking I was, I was done, man. Like, Going and buying the, you know, the Burberry shirt. Like I thought it was, I had it all. And then I realized I still felt nothing. Like I still felt like a failure. I still, it was all this facade. People still didn't look at me better. Didn't respect me better. All the things I thought money would bring me brought me nothing. And then I lost it all. Like literally couldn't afford the car. The car ended up it was like within like six months, the car didn't even go in reverse anymore because I've driven it so rough that I couldn't afford oil changes. I couldn't like sensors started popping off. Like it was so bad, but what I thought would produce the results I was looking for didn't. And it was because I failed to look at like, okay, so this is my goal. What, what will it look like in my daily life to have that goal? And if I had actually taken the time to analyze, what does it mean to have a nice car? What does it mean to have all this? I would have realized quickly that none of that brought me fulfillment. None of that brought me happiness. I was, all I was searching for was my parents to say, wow, we're proud of you. Like for my parents to think I was successful, you know, that's all I was really looking for. And, and what I would have realized was my parents were already happy with me. were already, you know, so excited for the success that I had working for my just regular job that it didn't matter how much money or flash or any of this, but I was trying to seek the validation of my parents through these things that didn't even matter. Really. So I still felt unfulfilled and my parents still weren't excited about what I was doing, you know? And so I didn't, I got the, the, the opposite result by, by just chasing the money. And so I think we all, we all look at this, this materialistic thing as a thing that's going to produce the results because it's the one thing that none of us have had or more, most of us have not had, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. And vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, you, you brought up the, an interesting point of, you know, experiencing that, you know, like you said, you sit in the car, you smell the leather and whatnot, you know, you got to be able to have those experiences to see, you know, what we also talked about, you know, tasting that and see if that does provide something for you, or do you need to take a step back get curious, you know, get into your head about, what is really bringing the fulfillment? Is it, I want this car because I want somebody to notice me or is it, do I want this to, you know, make my parents proud of me or something? You've got to take that step back because it's very easy to spend a lot of money going in the wrong direction. And it's easier to do that sooner than later to try and figure that out because you know what, we've, we've all been there. I've been there myself as well. Exactly. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting money, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but understand that if money is what you want, maybe the way you're going about getting it may not be the way that you need to get it. Like, I mean, I tell this to people all the time, like being an entrepreneur is not the way to make money. Like there are a lot of, my, most of my friends that make the most amount of money don't have a job or don't have, don't have their own businesses. They work for somebody else, whether it be in Silicon Valley or and financial or investment in banking or any of those avenues, they make a whole lot more money over there than they do 
in entrepreneurialism. So it's important to understand what you're trying to achieve. If it is to have a nice car, that's great. I'm not a nice car guy. Like I, I'm not a car guy. I mean, I, I, I like a nice car. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate that. But that's not what gets my juices going, especially since I already had nice cars and I saw that it didn't bring me fulfillment. So it, it's, it's okay for all that. Now, let me tell you about my, my bugaboo, which is like, I have an ego. Like, and I want people to recognize me. I love recognition, but I own that. I like, that's me. Like, that's what empowers me. So there's certain avenues that I do that are about recognition, but I'm, I'm okay with it. But I also allow that to not be what fuels my decisions. That can be my motivator, right? That can motivate me like, all right, I'm going to go achieve these results. And yeah, deep down inside, I like recognition, right? I love it. I love, uh, like, I love being on podcasts. I love, you know, it, it brings me fulfillment. So it's okay to be fulfilled by these materialistic things, these, these vanity metrics. It's okay, but like, don't allow it to be the, the thing that actually your decisions are, are based around, right? It's okay to play into it, but don't do everything for the fancy car. It's okay to own the fancy car, but don't do everything for the fancy car, right? And so it's okay to acknowledge what these areas are. I think sometimes people try to like push them away and say, oh, no, 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 that's not me. I'm not into money. It's okay to be into money. It's okay. Like we all have motivators, you know, it's, it's okay. We all have those like guilty pleasures. It's okay. Like, but like acknowledging that those are your guilty pleasures is important. And I think that's what so often we're like, no, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not into money. It's like, dude, you are like, I'm looking at all your results or all, all, all your actions. They're all driven by money, you know? So don't reject it and push away and act like you're all this personally developed person that you don't need money or you don't need these fancy cars. That's it. It's okay. Own that but don't allow it to own you. And I think that's where so often we, we allow our, our internal instincts to own us instead of owning them and saying, that's okay to want money or to want flash or to want personal recognition, but don't allow it to own you and allow it to, to drive your, your, your decisions that you make on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you can acknowledge that. And you know what? A lot of people try to shy away from that. They're like, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want that to come across as egotistical. I don't want to do this, but you're acknowledging it, but you're not letting it overtake everything, which is awesome. But one thing that I think that's big in entrepreneurship that, you know, you know, you mentioned that entrepreneurship isn't the route to money. That's, you know, there's a lot of easier ways to get, to get money. Um, And I think the biggest thing for most entrepreneurs is the impact. You know what they you can't create that same impact being an investment banker as you could operating healthy food, uh, meal prepping services. So, I mean, is that what kind of helped motivate that is to create that impact within your community? Yeah. So with, with GoFresh, it really came about, um, more as, as a, uh, a need in the marketplace. So when we started GoFresh, we were the fifth most unhealthy city in the country here in Modesto, California. Um, and, uh, at the time when, it, when the, 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 the idea was planted was I, I was running a solar company, um, in the Bay area and I was driving from Modesto to, to Fremont, which during traffic time could be potentially two and a half, three hours. It, right now it's, it's, it's a much nicer drive with, with the Corona traffic, which is pretty much non-existent. Um, but the drive into the Bay area is just crazy. And there's a lot of, I mean, millions of people that make this drive and I'm like, there is nothing healthy between here and Modesto and the Bay area is very health conscious. It's much more forward thinking. And like, there was nothing really there. I mean, there's whole foods, right? There's a couple of vegan joints, but like 
there was nothing convenient. Like when I need to eat healthy and like be on the go, especially because I was in the field too, like doing project management, I was closing deals, helping, you know, that whole process of the installations. I found myself like being in a rush and like the only rush that only food that I could get in a, in, in a, you know, a quick um, option was like fast food or like stopping by like GNC and grabbing a protein bar, which that's, that's a, that's an okay option, but that's not even the best option. Right. Um, especially when you're thinking of food as fuel and what really kind of was like planted, like my dad was always extremely healthy. We, we grew up eating organic, but it was never about like macronutrients and food is fuel. It was always about just like putting the best food in you. That was, that was always how I was brought up. Um, I was introduced to a gentleman, uh, by the name of Ariel or Ariel Alberto. And, um, he goes by cuts on Instagram. That's what he's most known for. And he's a world renowned bodybuilding coach all over. Um, and he was really the foundation for me realizing that food could be fuel. And so at this time I was working with him and he unlocked this like whole nother Billy. Like I was like, barely, I don't want to say barely sleeping, like, like in a good way, but like I could sleep five, six hours and like wake up and I was like, just lasered in. And a lot of this energy I even currently have is not because of caffeine that I drink or anything. I definitely got some hustle energy going today, but, uh, but you know, like I don't have to drink caffeine to have this energy, right? It all of a sudden came to me through this nutrition. And at the time when I had started working with him, I was like skinny fat. I was like a skinny dude with a belly. And I, I, I had a lack of energy and I was only 24 or 25 at this time. And I was like, this is not right. Like I'm waking up sluggish. I'm losing midday focus. Like this is not right. I got to, got to do something. And so that's kind of where the whole food aspect came. And then seeing the fact that there was nothing on the, or along the freeway that was healthy and convenient kind of landed the idea. And so when I left the solar company and uh, I'd exited that company, I, I, I made a, a, pretty good return on my investment. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do? And um, while I was running the solar company, I wrote on, on a whiteboard, I wrote prep for success. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it was going to be. But then when I left um, the solar company, this was in January of 2014, I was getting into like a heavy competitive season of bodybuilding. And um, at my first show that I went to that year, I ran across a guy that was doing meal prepping. And he's like, yeah, shoot me an email and like, I'll get you food. Cause I was like, finally, I found something that services this need. And the guy took like a month to email me back and was like, if you're still serious or if you're serious, I'll, I'll sell you food. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, if you're serious, you'll sell me food. Like I'm, like, I'm your, I'm a potential customer. You're going to tell me, am I serious? And I was like going back to customer service. I was like, I'm going to destroy this guy just on service alone. Like, I don't care how good your food is. I'm going to destroy you. And so uh, GoFresh originally was started as, as, as a need for the market. It was never about the money, right? Let me, let me be very clear. If I, if I known about the food margins, uh, I would have never gone in, right? You know, so it was always about the, the need for the, uh, or the need in the marketplace for this. It was a problem that needed to be solved. And I was going to be the one that was going to solve it. And so it's always been about that. And, and every day, let me tell you like when we were struggling financially, it wasn't, it wasn't about the money that pushed me through the potential of making money was never what pushed me through. It was the, my, my, um, my obligation that I had to the employees and to the community that I had built. And so no matter what, it was about quitting on them. And because of that, I was able to push through the tough times. Cause let me tell you, I could have failed. I, I failed so many times in the beginning there. I mean, opening our first restaurant took us 13 months, cost me 70,000 extra dollars when I had no idea what I was, I had no idea what I was doing in the food industry. 
I'd been in every, any ever, every other industry. So I thought, Hey, I'd succeeded in these other industries. I'm going to succeed here. No doubt. Little did I know there's a whole lot of problems that go on with, with the food industry, you know, and it brings multiple governing bodies in like, whether it be your County health department, your city building department, your state agencies, like there was just so many different things that I just didn't know about. And so what's pushed me through every tough time was knowing that the people that depend upon me and what, you know, what our business means to them uh, is what pushes me through. So it's never been about the money. It's always been about the need in the marketplace for, for what we service. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. It's crazy to think that you just jumped into that market without knowing anything really about it. But I mean, obviously you, you saw the need, you saw that customer service wasn't there. And that's honestly, so my, my main source of income is I flip houses here in the, in Salt Lake Valley. And, you know, I sit there and deal with these companies and contractors. I'm like, man, imagine what your business could do if you just had a little customer service. Like, and that's led me down the path of trying to acquire some companies and uh, didn't ultimately end up working out. But it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you just had the right customer service, you could make a difference compared to any competitor because nobody's really doing it the right way. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like, is this a job to you or is this actually a business? And there are a lot of people that run their businesses like it's a job, you know, and like, um, and there's no knock on my parents, but that's how my parents ran their company. My dad was a general contractor and he was terrified of employment um, because he was afraid of like what they would represent to his, to him. Would they bring his quality of work down? He never looked at like, well, if I build a team and I invest in those guys and I teach them quality, then it can actually build me leverage so that when I you know, get sick or get injured or want to take a vacation, that my business still goes. And I think back to so much of my childhood that there was things that either my dad couldn't do because he had a job to complete. And if he didn't work, we didn't make money. Or that when we went on vacations, that we didn't make money and that hindered us coming back that he would then have to go work harder or, you know, like really try to focus on um, closing every deal because we needed to close that deal and being, being almost emotionally attached to it because we needed to make that money. Um, and so often we just, and he always treated it like it was a job. It was never about building leverage and building time freedom. And I think that's so often a lot of people, um, they get into business, not because, of um, the ability to build massive leverage. They just see it as like an easy way to kind of like, not even easy, I don't know, maybe it's their, their passion, but a lot of them end up operating it like it's a job instead of operating it like a company and continuously trying to grow and, you know, and advance and, and pivot. And I think we're seeing that a lot right now. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of businesses, these older businesses be cleansed out of the market. And, and, and let me, and I want to be very careful about what I say here because I don't want to offend anybody and say, Oh, they're, you know, they're, they're not worthy of being in the market, but like when you fail to adapt and to, to grow with the market, unfortunately, the market is going to decide whether you decide or you're able to continue to, to be in the market. And right now is a cleansing of a lot of businesses that we're not willing to adjust and adapt. And, and, and I'm, and I'm very sympathetic to a lot of the businesses that are being impacted right now. I feel for you, but what are you doing about it? Are you just sitting and waiting for things to come back here in Cal? I don't know how it is in Utah, but here in California, we're still shut down in a lot of different places. And a lot of these businesses are just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to open up the way it is and take the fines. And then they're getting mad at the government. And like, this is not a question of like, hey, should we be closed or not be closed? But it's like, 
Are you just going to say, well, I'm going to operate the way I'm going to operate? Or are you going to try to find that white space? I, I mean, I talk to these restaurant owners and I'm like, what are you doing e-commerce wise? Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm, that's stupid. But then they'll go and tell me how stupid the government is for not allowing them to have in-store dining. It's like, okay, but who's stupider? The one that's going to tell the government that they're stupid and then and, and, and get fined by the government? Or are you going to go, hey, okay, you guys are going to fuck me over, excuse my language, but you're going to fuck me and fine me. Then I'm going to find another way about it and not get fined. But we just want to complain and complain and complain and complain and complain instead of going, how can I adjust, pivot, and find the white space in my business? I mean, we, sh- we took a fat loss in April. All of our stores were shut down. That sucked. But what did we do? We pivoted hard and, and like said, how can we be better on e-commerce? And we looked at every funnel, every email, every landing page, everything in our e-commerce side and revamped it and invested heavily in that side. And now we're seeing, dude, I mean, we, we're doing three times the numbers we were doing online before or than we were before Corona. And we're now busier than we were before Corona, post-Corona or post all this because we've adapted and pivoted where we needed to pivot. But it was never about what do we want or, you know, what, what's my opinion? It was like, I'm going to treat this like a business, not like a job. And because I treated it like a business, I made the adjustment that I needed to because let me, let me be honest, my employees look at this as a job. And so somebody has to think of this like a business because otherwise we're going to fail. And I think too many people, even the business owners look at their job or their business as a job instead of as a business and realize the responsibilities that you have to your community and to your team when you're the business owner. You can't just treat it like a job because otherwise nobody's running the business and nobody's adapting the business and growing the business. Too many people have been able to run their businesses like a job for far too long. And that's why the market is doing a cleansing that it is right now. Unfortunately, right? A lot of people are, are going to be impacted by this, but that's truthfully my opinion is way too many people treat it like a job. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know what? It's, it's those situations where it's unfortunate that people are blaming their circumstances on external factors. And really it's a hundred percent within your control. And you know what? It's, it's unfortunate that they don't see that a, a good example of somebody adapting that has earned my business is uh, best buy. You know, even though they're a big box chain, they've, they've survived against, you know, like circuit city and some of those other ones. And the thing that did it for me personally, and this may be different for everyone else is they price match Amazon. If it's shipped and sold through Amazon, you can go in, price match it, and get it that day. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that just because they rather they knew they were competing against Amazon. And so they said, okay, let's, let's compete directly with Amazon. Let's do something about it. Too many people are like, let me, let, Trent, let me complain to you about why it's unfair that my business is being impacted. Like, okay, yeah, Amazon's this huge you know, vendor. Okay. Like I, I can't stand when people are like, you, we need to boycott Amazon. Why? They're winning. They're convenient. Like, okay, compete with them. I know we can't compete with them on every angle, but compete, compete with them on customer service, compete with them on, you know, find your white space and go attack it. You know, I get it. Like other than like bars and gym that are just absolutely being, you know, just destroyed. I mean, I have a friend that he's a bartender. He's a mobile mixologist. He depends on live events. So what he did was he created like mobile mixology kits and was selling mobile mixology kits that you could go make your own craft cocktails at home. Instructions. He was doing TikTok videos. He was doing Instagram live. The whole time he's been adapting. When you talk to a normal bar owner, they go, we can't do anything. There's nothing we can do. Well, figure something out. Build a brand. You know, I'm, I'm telling everybody that right now. 
is the greatest investment you can make right now is building a brand. If you, if your business is being destroyed, okay, build a brand, like focus on building brand equity now so that when things do come back for your business, people are going to remember you as the guy that was putting out all that free content or giving out this or doing that, like be that guy, like double, triple, quadruple down on personal branding right now, because when things come back, people are going to remember what you were doing now. And they're going to remember that post. But I, you know, I see business owners that I, I've got a couple of them that I follow on Facebook that I'm like, I remember one thing about Corona with you, that you complained every day about how your business was being destroyed and you did nothing to try to adapt and pivot. And I get it. I, I, I'm very sympathetic to people, but at the same point, I'm not sympathetic to somebody that's not willing to try to change. And I get it that you want to be frustrated with the city I, I, or the government or whoever fully understand it. But once you blame somebody else for the results of your business, you now are taking zero responsibility, which means you have zero control over the, the future results of your business. So take ownership. Yes, you don't have to say, you don't have to take the, the full responsibility and be like, well, you know, I was in control of the shutdown of California. No, you can't control that you can control how you respond to the shutdown in California or the country, you know, and that's what you are in control of. So don't say you're not in control of your business because you are in control of your business. You may not be in control of every aspect, but you're in control how you respond to those aspects. Absolutely. You know what? This has been incredible. And I hate that we, we have to oh, end shoot. it. I didn't even realize it was already 12, <laughs> but you know what? This is, this is honestly just been incredible. Like I've gotten so much out of this. And so I really appreciate that, uh, you know, that you gave me the opportunity to talk to you, but you know, I want to give you an opportunity to plug where people can find you and find more information about you before we jump into the last question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want to do a second follow-up, man, I, I love this. It's a great conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they can find me on uh, most, you know, most of the time I'm on, on Instagram, a Billy underscore go fresh, uh, B I L L Y underscore G O F R E S H. Uh, you can find GoFresh at GoFresh. Uh, that's our Instagram handle is just GoFresh. Um, you can also find me on uh, the underscore Level Up Society. Any one of those three. Um, we're always putting out great content on Level Up Society on my page. GoFresh is, you can find out all about your healthy eating. Um, but yeah, that's that's how you can find out about me. Uh, and anything I can do to service anybody, I'm always willing to, to, to respond to DMs, share advice, any of that kind of stuff. Also, my, my podcast, uh, Level Up Your Life podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, all those platforms. Um, yeah, any one of those. Awesome. Well, um, last thing I want to ask you is what is it, personal or business, that excites you about the future? Man, is the ability that every day you can become better. Um, I think that's genuinely what excites me is that who you are today is not who you have to be tomorrow. Um, and the, the decisions that you make today will determine the results that you have tomorrow. And I think that excites me every single day that I can always become better that my, who I am today and the, where I'm at today does not have to be who I am, who I am or where I am tomorrow. Awesome. Well, thank you, Billy. I, you know, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this, so I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.